Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Trump and the GOP want tax reform. But what does that mean for you and me? The Monica Perez Show starts now. Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6 normally, but today I'm on Sunday 1 to 3, making time for the uh, UGA Sports. And, uh, they want tax reform, and Trump and the GOP are saying they want tax reform. For me, if I think about what I want from tax reform, it's going to be uh, something fair. My touchstone is always fairness, justice and liberty for all, that kind of thing. And not fairness in like a social justice sense, but fairness in like a thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill kind of sense. So I always start with principles and ideology, and when Trump made a speech about it, he said he had four principles of uh, four principles of tax reform, which were actually goals of tax reform, not really principles. So I want to start with some principles, and, uh, and, and here's the thing about this tax reform that I want to highlight, is that people say it's going to be really hard to get through, blah, blah, blah. That may be true. And, and we can talk about the details of the, I have kind of like a very short list of bullets of what the tax reform outline is. We can talk about that, what Trump's four principles, I would say goals of tax reform are. We can talk about through the show. But but I want to point out for you to look ahead and notice that there's an ad campaign for tax reform. So you can see in my mother's house in uh, New York, they just, it's playing constantly. I don't watch a lot of commercial TV, so I don't see it but she's but it's just bombarded constantly like call your congressman you want tax reform now i don't remember seeing anything like that for obamacare repeal and replace i don't remember an ad campaign for that and that kind of dovetails with something that i'd been noticing just from the get-go with the extreme vetting you know so-called muslim ban whatever that was just a ham-handed uh, poorly worded executive order. They didn't really try. It seemed to me that they wanted to say they tried, but they weren't really trying to get to get anything meaningful accomplished. And with the Obamacare repeal and replace, I've always thought for years and years the GOP was totally on board with it, and that's why they were like falling over themselves every time there was an opportunity to stop it. They didn't because the system would work if they were actually trying, you know, to be on our side. But here's this tax reform thing that's accompanied by this massive ad campaign, and I can't help but think these guys are really trying, and that something will get done. So that's what I, on Twitter, I call hashtag what to watch out for. (laughs) So so I noticed that, but for me, I, I like to take a step back and think about what would be the fair 
way of taxing people. And, and for that, you have to ask yourself, what are you really paying for in government? And then uh, I even take a step back beyond that and say, uh, I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I've actually given up on the coercive monopoly state because I feel like even if it could work, the American experiment would have been the only possibility of self-limiting government working. And it didn't work. And it actually backfired massively in that uh, now I think we have what has been termed a pathocracy, that it works against us. So for me, I even have a I kind of have a moral obligation paying taxes. I know somebody who's in arrears in his taxes and he asked me, do you think I'm a bum that I don't pay my taxes because he's fighting it? And. I asked him, do you think I'm a bum for paying the taxes? I mean, when you think about what they're doing with the tax money, there's a lot of immorality there, uh, both domestically and in foreign policy. But even if that weren't true, even if... So I don't consent to this government. I actually object to it. I object to what they do. And I, I sometimes feel like, or I actually feel like, that the progressive tax rate, the taxes that uh, attack the professional class, the educated people, uh, Ron Paul types, doctors, lawyers, stuff like that, that they insert a progressive tax not to get more money, but to keep that class of people from actually engaging in the process. So so I feel like there's a lot of... um, you know, malevolence in there. There's a lot of control in there. What they do is they try to keep the system from working. It's really a pathocracy, like abnormal, anti. But if you were to say, okay, uh, you are, um, so, so there's this meme that I love. It's a libertarian meme called taxation is theft. And people argue that well, actually, there was a tweet yesterday. Binkley, my producer Binkley is here. I got a tweet yesterday that I think put the question pretty succinctly. Can you read that tweet for me, please? Yeah. Rock Connor tweeted, I've never understood the meme that taxation is theft as taxes are approved by elected representatives. Please explain. I'll be listening tomorrow. Falcons who? <laughs> Thank you, Rock. Uh, I appreciate that. Well, uh, the this is how I think about that. He said elected officials. I I have never. I, I basically only ever vote for Ron Paul. <laughs> you know, I'll vote for whoever's libertarian. Um, I voted for my mom before. So uh, she actually run. She has run. I think on the right to life ticket or whatever. But I don't, if my mom's on the ballot, I'll vote for her. But uh, so. Here's the problem that I that I have, and, and I think there are a lot of libertarians who have different arguments for taxation as theft. But for me, let's just take the, the premise that people argue. I don't argue this because I don't agree with it, but that there's a social contract and that by belonging to this society, you have agreed to its structure. You've ab- agreed to be governed. Okay. In this country, and in most countries, but in this country, I know, there is an actual contract. It's the Constitution. It's an actual uh, in-writing outline of the government. You could include the Declaration of Independence in our foundational documents as kind of uh, a binding or a representative of the social contract, the Bill of Rights for sure. So even if you do implicitly consent to be governed, this 
the federal government is violating the contract. They're taking your tax money to do things outside of what their, defi- their, their rights are defined as, as their duties are defined as. There are 18 enumerated powers in the Constitution, which hopefully I'll be able to read to you in the show. It's pretty quick. And the vast, vast majority of the $4 trillion that the federal government spends, or more, falls outside of that. So they're real, and if you don't pay it, if you say, well, you're, you're, you're spending that money on, on things that you're not legally allowed to spend that money on, they will come to your house and take it. You know, they'll take your money, they'll steal from you at, the, at, at using force. And maybe they don't have to use a gun because it's all in the bank, but they go to the bank and they will, they will prevent the bank from operating if it doesn't cooperate. So they, they will steal that money. They do steal that money and they use it for things I personally consider to be immoral. And I know, regardless of my viewpoint of the morality, that it's illegal because it's outside what the federal government's allowed to do. So taxation is theft, in my opinion. Uh, and, and even if you wanted to take a more ideological viewpoint of it, what does, what does government really do? Government protects your property and your person, especially at the federal level. And that just doesn't cost that much. And what they, this is why it's really a pathocracy. They turn around and use the money that they take from you to suppress your rights, to, to surveil you, to censor your news, to control you, to use the police state against you. So, truly, they take the money and they use it not to protect your rights, but to exploit your rights, to bestow privilege on the connected. Uh, we've really gone far from legitimate government, in my opinion. So, that's a lot to digest. Should we do, let's do another tweet. Oh, if anybody wants to call 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you could tweet at Monica Perez Show. Let's have another tweet, Binkley. All right, we got one from John. He says that the tax rate should go up for the rich, not down if you care about deficits. Yes, uh, I hear what he's saying. I totally, I, I think he's missing something, and that's this. The tax rate, as people talk about it, is income taxes. And if you want to define, he said, for the rich, you could actually define the rich as the leisure class. Like that is how, that's one kind of a euphemism for the rich, the leisure class, the idle rich, which by definition means these are people who do not have to work. So the truly rich don't get taxed at all on the income tax level. So when you're saying that people who are high earners need to pay high taxes and we're talking about like 50% taxes in some places one of these tax reform ideas is to make state and local taxes not tax deductible so if you live in California there's 13% state local taxes and uh, over 37% of federal taxes and you you stop deducting things at a certain point so you're already at 50% taxes right there but those are just the professional class those are the people who are highly educated uh have a strong work ethic, they probably really understand how things work, and they could be effective if they had the time and money to go to Washington like Ron Paul did. But I feel like the progressive tax rate is to keep those people out. And the rich, if you want to talk about the leisure class, those are the people who have all the assets that our government protects. The Air Force protecting land, a lot of that land is owned by Warren Buffett, you know? But he's not paying for the Air Force. So I feel like fundamentally our tax structure has no bearing on what you're paying for, what you're getting, and that there's just a lot of 
injustice inherent in it, and people don't understand it. So I'm happy to talk about that. Want to? Uh, I know that was a lot to unpack, as they say, which we can do during the show. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And uh, you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I knew this would come because we are in uh, boards country. Chip, after the break, wants to talk about the fair tax. So coming up, this is Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 66 degrees outside the studio, a 9 on the Mellish meter. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I am going to Chip in Lawrenceville. Hi, Chip. You're on with Monica. Thank you, Monica. I'm a big fan of yours. Always listen to you. The fair tax is the national resale sales tax on new sales and services only with a prebate, which means every family, based on your family size, gets a prebate that pays tax up to the federal poverty level. Now, the biggest problem with our tax system is the compliance cost and nightmare, which costs our economy $400 billion a year. This will eliminate that $400 billion a year. Price of things will drop realistically about 15% across the board. According to Harvard Business School, the cost of that is 15 is 22%. But now yeah, we'll take it on down a little bit. Uh, this, everybody gets their entire paycheck. They don't withhold or match Social Security or taxes, any of that stuff. There's no April 15th, no 1040s, no W-2s, no nothing. It will Business will boom because it will be so easy to be in business. We get rid of the biggest problem with our tax system, and that is that compliance cost. And business, it will be easy to go in business and be in business. Right Here, now, it here's is the a thing, nightmare. i got to tell you what. I don't. I don't necessarily have a problem with the fair tax. I personally think a truly fair tax would be that people who get the protection of government on their assets pay for it, like a wealth tax. I think I'm the only person on earth who actually thinks that's the only fair way to pay for government services is the services you use for uh-huh. contracting and all that. But the thing with the fair tax, it it presumes that the problem is not knowing a good solution. But the problem is actually not being able to trust the government, the government taking as much as it possibly can before you're at the poverty level, that they are working against us. Part of their goal with the taxation, in my opinion, opinion is to keep us from having the freedom and the money to engage civically. So you can put this stuff into place, but you can't trust them to enforce it. I agree. You're right. Of course, with the fair tax, it would take two-thirds of Congress to raise that tax. Uh, So that's going to be a virtual impossibility. Yeah, but they've gotten around stuff like that before. Some people think the IRS amendment to the Constitution already was passed unconstitutionally. There's several amendments that that people think have not or kind of backdoored. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, this gets rid of the 16th Amendment to the Constitution also, which, you know, was stupid. When we passed it in 1913, to get it, that rich guy... Well, we know how that turned out. It got it all of us, and it's a nightmare. Our economy, well, when prices drop by 15% across the board, we can export a lot more things, more create more jobs. A lot of these companies who have moved their headquarters abroad will come back to this country. There will be a lot more jobs. The most important thing is your kids and your grandkids will have a financial future, which they do not now. Actually, I do want to talk about that, Chip. I think... As Ron Paul says, the taxes are the spending. How they do the taxes isn't as important as how they handle the spending. I personally think a $20 trillion national debt is a sin 
and a crime. But it's borrowing the richest society in human history is indebting future generations. That's taxation without representation. And it makes me think the purpose of the government is simply to create debt for the banker cronies. Let's talk about that. 404 750 1-800-WSB-TALK. You could tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Let's just say most Mostly every weekend. Saturday from 3 to 6 is my normal slot, but when I make room for UGA football, a lot of times I'm on 1 to 3 on Sunday. So that's what we're doing today. It is live. I'm open for business. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. We're talking about the GOP tax reform plan. Uh, Trump is pulling out all the stops. He's on the... Uh, uh, he's making speeches, there's ad campaigns, seems like a much more serious effort than the Obamacare repeal and replace, which I never ever for since the beginning thought the GOP was sincere about overturning. I think they've always wanted that. This, on the other hand, does seem like a real effort. Uh, so let's talk about that. And uh, Binkley, my producer here, you've got some tweets. Uh, give me a tweet. I have a tweet from Michelle. She says that the GOP wanting to eliminate state and local uh, deduction taxes is a small step to take away power from the state. Just baby steps. That is such a great point. It made me just go bananas when I saw that one of these provisions, Binkley, I'm going to ask your opinion in a second, if we should talk about the eight things that are kind of the highlights of the reform, if we should talk about Trump's principles or if we should talk about my principles. So you think about that. I'm going to respond to this tweet. So one of the eight things that I have highlighted as uh, the important elements of this tax reform proposal is that the standard deduction, uh, sorry, the um, state and local taxes cannot be deducted from federal taxes. And that is absolutely straight up Double taxation. It's just double taxation is a no-no. It's so inherently unjust. I almost wonder if they put that in there as something that they would just give up a little bit later on, a negotiating point. Because what it says is if if this federal tax is 40% and your state and local are 10%, you are at the end of the day paying out 50%. Okay, maybe that works right now. But what happens when the feds go up to 50% and your state wants to go up to 25% because they want to, we want to, well, because they just keep spending money. I mean, then you're spending 75%. You, you, you can ultimately keep nothing. That's not the way it works. So you don't even do that internationally. But why would the state want to go up to 25%? Maybe there's competition between the feds and the state for health care. So the Constitution, the 10th Amendment of the Constitution, has clearly been adjudicated to say that what's called the police powers, which includes the health and welfare of the citizens, is reserved to the states. It is not the venue, the purview of the federal government at all. So if you want government health, it it really, constitutionally speaking, has to be at the state level. If the state wanted to take back that power, it would cost them money and and if the state taxes are not tax deductible, it's just dollar for dollar incremental above what the feds are doing. So 
it's going to put a lot of pressure on the states to, rather than raise taxes and take more control over local policies, they will go hat in hand to the federal government and ask for more money. And I just, I hate that. I hate it because... Local control, in my opinion, is more control. It's this principle of subsidiarity. The closest to the person affected should be where the power lays. But I also think that your local issues, your local problems, what you want, you can have a regional culture that prioritizes what you want if you have power close to home. What we're doing instead is taking 325 million people and pooling the resources and redistributing it. And then you have a kind of European situation where when you want changes, when you want to decide on your fate, you instead of making decisions with your wallet, you have to beg the government. So when you see these anti-austerity protests in Europe, you have students saying, don't cut, don't cut college subsidies, you know, don't cut free college. Because they know they're just at the mercy of the government deciding what to give them. What you want is to keep, you can't, so when I hear there's like left-leaning libertarians, that's not possible. When you want the government to pay for stuff, it takes away your power. And the more remote that gets from your control, the worse. So I hate that. Uh, Whereas they kept in place the mortgage deduction and the charity deduction, which... You would think, of course, who would object to that? But if you dig a little bit into those deductions, I can actually see an argument like the mortgage deduction. It's not a deduction for your rent. It's not a deduction because you have to live somewhere. It's not a necessities deduction. It's the deduction of a financial product. It's just like health insurance. Obamacare is health insurance. It's not health care. These are financial products that subsidize financial corporations. And they're the only, at a certain level of income, you can deduct nothing except for health insurance by your employer and your mortgage. So you have to think, and if mortgage, the mortgage deduction went away, the price of housing would go down because the demand would have to back off a little bit. Uh, so I don't think that there, I think net, I mean, for current homeowners, it would have, there would be a hiccup, but net, I think you might consider that before you take away state and local deduction. And charities, that's another thing I always thought absolutely positively. You should have uh, the charitable deduction should be sacrosanct. However, if you look into this 50s thing, uh, Reese Commission by the Congress, they looked into tax-exempt foundations. So I think you can give to tax-exempt foundations and maybe tax deduct from your taxes and then they don't pay taxes also and what they do they basically control policy like the ford foundation and stuff they're actually determined by congress to uh be un-american that was the house un-american activities committee uh, had this subgroup that looked at the tax exempt foundations and found that they were undermining american principles american law all that kind of stuff so for me Those are deductions that I would kind of wonder about. And then there's a a really famous one everyone always talks about, very few people understand. It's this uh, carry deduction. So if you run a hedge fund and you get paid in equity instead of cash, that equity is treated as capital gains, which is a much lower rate than income, even though you didn't actually put cash into this investment, cash that had already been taxed at the income level, which is the theory behind a lower capital gains rate. Uh, And actually, that's not even a congressional law. That's just an IRS interpretation that, that Trump could have done away with 
as uh, on his first day in office. The first thing he signed was to make a general secretary of defense. That was the change in law. The first thing he did was to change the law to make it possible for a general to be the secretary of defense. But he could have, as his first thing, eliminated this uh, this carry thing. But that's such a, a boon for these um, financial elite who then take their uh, their outsized profits, their big, big piles of cash, and they use it to turn around and lobby governments. You know, I think uh, a good example is that Steve Feinberg, who's a, uh, a, a principal of Cerberus, Cerberus owns DynCorp. DynCorp really tanked when, when we started to pull out in Afghanistan. So I see Steve Feinberg go into the White House. I said, oh, I bet we have a surge in Afghanistan. And lo and behold, we are having a surge. I don't know if, that, if that's just a coincidence or what, but guys with that kind of money, they can really influence uh, the halls of power in a way that gets them more money. And that's my problem with government generally, is this, is this corporate, is this cronyism. So the very fundamental nature of government seems to be to keep us in line, control us, tax us to death to keep us uh, impotent to keep us from having power and taking that power and money and privilege and giving it to the guys uh, who scratch your back. I mean, it's the same old, same old. And, and I don't think this tax reform plan is any different from all that. It's, and it's not even very easy to understand. So anyway, that was a little bit of a rant, Binkley. But what, uh, so what'd you come up with? What do you want to hear? Well, of course I want to hear what your principles are. <laughs> Are you just sucking up? <laughs> a little bit, maybe. A little bit. No, but actually, the, my principles were something that you were actually, I remember you were interested in an element that is per, pertinent to my principles. So here's my, here's my idea. So Trump said he had four principles. They were really just goals, one of which was to encourage job creation and wage growth. And I will just say, as far as government goes, I don't want my government to think that its job is to uh, create Jobs. I mean, that's just, that's not a small government principle. It's outside the realm of legitimate government. But let me tell you what, when I think about taxes, uh, you know, as Ron Paul says, taxes is spending. So you have to think, what is the government for? What do they need money for? What does the government do? And in my mind, there are three categories of things that the government can do. Some people agree, some people don't agree, but this is how it shakes out, in my opinion. Number one, I think everyone agrees, is to protect people and their property. So for me, that means that a fair way of taxing would be if you want the government to protect your property from trespassers or in the court of law from contract disputes or with the Air Force to fly over and make sure you don't get attacked, then you should pay a, a percentage of that of what the government's actually providing to you, not income. You going to work and your secretary going to work or your boss going to work, you don't demand more from the government. You, you pay tremendously different amounts. It has, there's no bearing. It's totally irrelevant. Uh, and if you want to protect your person, maybe $1,000 a year to, like, have police protection or whatever, then, and I think everyone agrees the government is there to protect our property and our persons. Then the next level is, is what is called public goods. I don't think that's a legitimate function of government. We were talking at the break, Binkley and I, that... Before the Civil War, there were only private roads, that there were 400 private road companies, and who would build them? Uh, I mean, nowadays it would be cars and oil companies, um, then it could be uh, 
you know, cows would make roads. Like, cows would make roads <laughs> to go from the farm to the market. You know, they would just trample on the grass, and there's your road. I mean, you can think of it that way. That's how you get to market. So people at the market would want the roads there. The farmers would want the roads there, and they, they did arise. But, but a lot of people think there is such a thing as public good. That's almost all local. There is the interstate highway system, which I personally think is a subsidy to uh, multinational corporations to get goods from the, the docks on the coast into the mainland that actually competes with local stuff. So I'm not a fan of federal highways, but... Uh, that's local. And then the third thing is the safety net. It's, it's basically forced insurance. It's the insurance function. And, and that's where we really split. That's where left and right splits. But even that, the Constitution says it should be at the state level. It's not necessary to do it at the federal level. Most states have um, multiple millions of people in them. If you want to pool resources, you can do that at a much smaller scale. And then you don't have to have this kind of divisiveness that we have because you can choose your state. That was the beauty of the American experiment. And that's why all this stuff, you can talk about the fair tax and that, but, but there's a, it's just like immigration with the wall. There's a fundamental problem here, and that is that our policymakers are trying to bamboozle us, not serve us. So uh, on, that, on that note, let's uh, prepare for some calls, 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And maybe we'll do some more highlights of the plans or, my favorite thing, um, rattle off the enumerated powers in the Constitution. There's some funny ones in there, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you don't know them. So let's do that next, okay? All righty. Uh, this is Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 74 the forecast high today, 57 low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air, and I'm going to Allen and Marietta. Hi, Allen. You're on with Monica. Hi there. I have Hi, a question Allen. for you. Yes. Where do you think we would be if Hillary was in office? Do you actually think we would have a tax reduction bill or anything like this? Well, I'll tell you what I think. I am so cynical <laughs> that I think that both the left and the right, as far as the big parties at the top, are uh, working for the same globalist overall goal. There might be factions fighting about who's going to control it, but I think we head in the same place, which is all the money and the power at the top, and power more, because I think they have the money. I think the taxes are about keeping us under control, and I don't think either the Republicans or the Democrats want to relieve us from that. And then there's this kind of paradox. I think I made a glossary entry on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, called the uh, something like the contrary law of politics where you get the opposite of what you vote for because that's what it takes. So I got this idea from a caller who said, Democrats will never take our guns away. It'll take a Republican to do that. It's the way Obama was the one who was able to continue the wars in the Middle East that uh, he got the Nobel Peace Prize coming out of the gate so that you wouldn't realize that he would end up dropping 20,000 bombs a year on Syria. And, and if you listened, this was what I was going to cover today, but the tax thing made me mad. So <laughs> I had to talk about it. Uh, Trump made a U.N. speech uh, a week or two ago where he talked about making the U.N. more efficient and more effective. 
So for me, that's the last thing I want. The last thing I want is for the prototype of world government to get effective. And Nikki Haley was practically giddy about how much more, uh, how much straighter the blue helmets are going to shoot after we're through with them. I mean, I, I'm like uh, in terror. We got to cover that at some point. So what do I think? I I don't. I I think that. I, I don't think. Trump is Batman. I think he's working for the man, just like Hillary would be. Binkley, uh, looks like you just told me you got a great uh, tweet. Let's tell me the tweet, and, and we'll cover it after the break. All right, I got one from Ken. He wants to know if you could make two amendments to the Constitution, what would they be? <clears throat> I had the answer absolutely ready, even though I hadn't thought of it that way before. But I know what they would be, and I'll tell you after the break. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 